God, we lift our souls to you now. We lift our minds, our hearts, and our wills, and we ask, breathe on them and speak to us through your word. Amen. I want to go backwards before we go forwards, church family. Um, last week, something happened after the sermon, and I want to speak about that for two minutes. Um, I preached on welcoming the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And Marissa, who was leading worship last week, stood up and shared that she sensed with, uh, as, as earlier in the service, actually, that the Lord was calling for new songs, and that as I was preaching, she was sensing the Lord's um, calling to not just say welcome, but to create space to welcome the person of the Holy Spirit to give gifts and to manifest or make clear or present uh, his, his, himself. And so she led us into uh, a time of what we might call free worship, where Nate was playing instrumentally on the guitar and the worship team backed off the microphones. They weren't singing into them and they themselves were just worshiping the Lord and we were worshiping the Lord and we were also listening to the Lord. She invited, maybe the Lord will give you a word for somebody else or a a word for the group. And what we didn't share when that happened, so we, we moved into a time that was maybe three minutes long and it just was really full of the sweet presence of the Lord. Um, but what we didn't share at that time was, well, what do you do if you receive a word from the Lord that you think might be for the group? And actually, right after the sermon or the service, somebody came up to me and said, Pastor Dave, as we were worshiping and listening, I felt the Lord speaking to me like he had a message for someone. So I'm going to share that message right now. And then I'll share what do we do when we feel like we might be receiving a message for for someone else. The person had some words from John 15 um, impressed on their heart. And the words were, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do as I command you. I no longer call you slaves or servants. I call you my friends. And as she prayed, she felt like the Lord wanted to say to at least one person here, you're not my servant, you're not a slave, you're my friend. Like somebody needed to hear God saying, stop acting like you're a slave, you're my friend. So I'm just going to ask that if that's you, if that message is resonating with your heart, that you might come and say something to me about it afterwards. Because remember when I preached the week before about discernment, we said we look for objectively verifiable fruit. Like it's one of the ways that we test if a message is from the Lord is, does it bear fruit? And so if that uh, is ministering to you, would you just say a little something to me about it afterwards? So if you feel like, the Lord is impressing on your heart something that is to be shared in worship. This is how you would bring it. You just would slide on up and usually there's two pastors or a pastor and an elder will be sitting up front and just share it with one of us. 
And we will pray and say, is this, the questions we're asking ourselves are, do we think or feel like this is really for the whole group? Or is it maybe just for this person? And if we feel it, because sometimes we get something and we think it's for everybody else because we're so joyful about it. Or we think it's for somebody else, but actually God wants to speak to us. The second question we might be asking ourselves is, is this for right now? Do we have a sense that this is to be shared right now? And then if we sense, yes, it's to be shared, and yes, it's now, then we will ask ourselves, well, how will that be shared? And am I inviting the person up to share it, or am I going to step up and represent it, um, and we'll bring it or submit it to the group? But we do that so that the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, welcome the Holy Spirit to manifest his presence, welcome his gifts, but do it in a, a decent and an orderly way so there's not chaos and there's not confusion as we worship as a group. So that's a way that we can maintain order and yet acknowledge that when we're together, God is with us and God is wanting to show his presence to strengthen, encourage, and build up each one of us. That's what that's what the gift of prophecy is for. Okay? So, uh, that was a beautiful... That moment after the sermon was a beautiful, what we'll call Kairos moment, and that's what we're going to um, preach or talk about this morning. Uh, these seven dynamics are a short, topical sermon series that we've just been going through. We've been talking about what are the dynamics that are involved in cooperating or working with God who puts his Holy Spirit in us. When we get saved, when we realize that we are living life in rebellion against God, we're not living his way, and that our sins need forgiveness and cleansing, and we turn toward Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, and we place our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, the Bible says we become children of God, and we receive the gift of his Holy Spirit. He puts his Holy Spirit in us. He gives us a new heart, and he moves us to want to obey God. He moves us to want to live righteously. He gives us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Changes us on the inside. And then he also begins to live his life and work through us in our families, in our communities, in our schools, in our workplaces. And he has got work for us to do. And so we've been saying, well, how is it that God who's put his spirit in us guides us? Bible says the Holy Spirit is a counselor, that he's a teacher, that he's a guide. Says that all of Jesus' sheep can hear his voice. And so how is it that we work with God and we're guided by him? And we said these dynamics, when we open the Bible and we look at themes, are common all the way through. Love motivates us. Love needs to permeate all of our ministry, our working with the Holy Spirit. We become people of prayer who ask God to... We invite him to to, to um, minister, to make his presence known, to touch, to heal, to save. God leads us to take steps of faith, which we need to clothe with obedience. We need to receive guidance from the Lord to know what to do or what to say or to whom or where to go. And if we're going to be receiving guidance from the Lord, then we need discernment because the spirit realm is real and God is not the only one who speaks. All kinds of people are consulting with spirits and being led by by spirits that are not the living God. We want to know we're being led by God and God alone. And so 
spiritual discernment is very important. And we said after that, that uh, when working with God, we recognize that we don't have the power or the abilities to change or bring transformation or to heal. And so we welcome God's good gifts and we welcome the manifestations of his spirit. One of the things that I have not been saying all along is um, an image that is really helpful for thinking about this is dancing. So Paul says to the Galatians, since we're, we live by the Holy Spirit, and in other words, he comes and gives us new life, and all that life is in Christ, the Spirit is Christ's, right? Since we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step. Now, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I doubt anybody here is a ballroom dancer. But when you ballroom dance, it's not scripted. There's a leader and there's a follower and there are steps that you can take in ballroom dancing. And in order to take those steps, a leader needs to know what the steps are and how to move a follower into them. And the follower needs to know the promptings of the leader and what the promptings mean. So if I put my hand on your back and push this way, what does that mean? If I lift your hand, what does that mean? Right? And so you might think of these dynamics that we're talking about because we're working with a living person, living God, as dance steps in a relationship. God leads, God prompts, God guides, and we learn to follow. And as we work with God, it all leads to this dynamic we're going to talk about this morning, Kairos moments. Seeing, us seeing, and then responding to Kairos moments. And so I'll define that in a minute, but I want to start by going back to the scripture passage that we've opened for the last six weeks, and I'm going to read it again, and uh, not the whole thing, but we're going to see how God's moving in a, in a particular way in this passage. So John chapter 11, verses 1 to 6, and then 38 to 44. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he has an interaction in which his disciples encourage him not to go back to Judea because um, his life is being threatened and theirs also would be. And then finally, two days later, he goes back and is greeted by First by Martha, who um, complains bitterly that if he had been there, Lazarus would not have died. Jesus encourages Martha's faith, calls her to a profession of faith in him. Then he greets Mary. Um, Mary is weeping. Jesus is moved and is weeping. Jesus asks, where have you laid him? And they lead Jesus to the tomb. And it says, Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. 
But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Word of God. I want to start by reading you or sharing with you a very short children's um, story that is a true story. It's recorded in a curriculum that we have at home and have used with our kids and it comes from a mission agency. Um, they put it together. It's a series of stories of um, missionaries working around the world and things that they've encountered. And this is a story of Asefa and Torefa. And they are um, workers in Ethiopia who prayed for months that God would open doors for them among the Muslim people in a little village in Ethiopia. And for a long time, it seemed like those doors were just shut, shut, shut. But then one day, they heard the sound of crying. And as they looked out their window and saw a crowd heading to the graveyard, weeping as they went, a man in front held a little girl in his arms, covered with a sheet. Asefa and Terefa knew the little girl. Her name was Khadija. Asefa said to Terefa, This is God's moment of opportunity. Let's rush into the funeral and pray that Jesus will raise Khadija from the dead. Terefa said, you're crazy. What if Jesus doesn't raise her? They'll kill us. But before he could stop him, Asefa ran to the funeral. Terefa ran into the bushes. He covered himself with leaves, dirt, and branches And tried to hide himself. And then he called out to Jesus to do something to help them. I want to stop here for a second. We would all do what Terefa did. Naturally. If we did not receive the gift of faith. So what's happening here is. We talked last week about the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. One of them is faith. Asafa's got supernatural faith. The Holy Spirit's gifting it to him in that moment. For this what's about to unfold. Okay. Asefa made his way through the crowd until he was walking side by side with the father who was carrying the dead girl. Asefa held out his arms and the father allowed him to carry the girl. After a short time, Asefa stopped and began to pray that Jesus would raise Khadija from the dead. The people became very angry. They lunged at Asefa. But at that moment, a little arm came out from underneath the sheet then fell back again. The people were stunned, but after a moment they grew angry again and again lunged at Asefa. Then Khadija sat straight up. The sheet fell off her face. She looked at her father and cried, Daddy! At that moment, 
all 214 Muslims at the funeral dropped to their knees and confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. Beautiful, true story. So what I want us to hear from that story is timing. Asefa and Terefa are praying for an opportunity to reach these Muslim people. They're praying and they're waiting, Jesus, when and how can we share the gospel? And they've got closed door and closed door and closed door and seemingly closed hearts. And then all of a sudden, after months of praying and yearning and looking, there's this now is the moment. Now is the time God is giving us an an open door and they see it and they respond and they step into that moment. And as they do that, they're following exactly in Jesus' footsteps. When we see Jesus in John 11, he is working on God the Father's timing. It is We, we noticed earlier, it is the strangest thing in the world that he got news that somebody he loved was sick and he could do something about it like nobody else could and he stayed where he was. He stayed where he was for two more days, not just because he knew that it was for God's glory that this, that this would end in resurrection, but because he had a sense of God's timing. Now is not the moment for me to go. Now is not the Father's timing. It's not right. And then two days later, now is the moment. Now is the time. So that nowness that we're talking about, that's kairos. And I want to just um, say three things about kairos. What does it mean? How do we grow to see kairos moments? Moments of God being ready to act. And then how do we respond? There's two words for time in the, in the Greek New Testament. We're all familiar with the, with the word chronos, chronological. And that, that word is probably used six out of seven times in the New Testament. That's how we mark our hours of our day. It's how we mark the seasons. We keep time sequentially, and that's chronos. When we talk about kairos time, we're not talking about sequence. We're talking about, or the Bible is talking about, appointed time. Like Jesus was dragged to the edge of a cliff, and they were about to stone him. And then he was able to walk through the crowd and away and out of harm's danger because the Bible says it was not yet the appointed time. Or Jesus says in another circumstance, my time has not yet come. Remember when his mom asked him to work a miracle? It's not yet my time. That wasn't Kronos, that was Kairos. So Kairos is fullness of time, readiness of time, an appointed time. It comes with this sense of God has intentions and now's the moment. Right now is the moment or now is not the moment. Like God is working to bring something to birth or something to completion and there's a right, ripe, pregnant time. Like with pregnancies, there's time and there's, it's not supposed to be time yet. If we start having a baby too early, 
we are worried and we go down to the hospital and we want to make it stop because it's not the right time. So also, when we work with God, there's a sense of timing that is really important. So I want to give three examples from Scripture. Israel's in slavery for 400 years. And they're crying out. And they're calling out. And they're moving God's heart. And then when the appointed time comes, God brings Moses... And he brings him into that moment, and then Moses has a a role not only to see or to hear from God, but notice this, Moses has to respond with obedience. And here's here's the part we're going to spend a little time on. He's got to step into that Kairos moment. God's given him words, but now he's got to stand up in front of the throne of Egypt and the whole court, and he's got to speak God's words into that moment. And it's the speaking, it's the yieldedness of Moses and the speaking of God's words that brings about new reality, that brings about freedom for Israel. If he doesn't do that, if he doesn't cooperate when it's God's time, the whole thing doesn't happen. Israel spends 40 years in the desert. 40 years languishing, 40 years with a generation dying, 40 years wondering when do we get out of this arid, dry, hot wilderness? When do we get into that promised land? And then finally the moment's ready and God calls Joshua in and he says, now is the time. And Joshua, in the now moment, God shows it to him. He has to stand and he has to say to the people, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then he says, consecrate yourselves to the Lord. In other words, set your part, yourselves apart as holy unto the Lord and come with me. We are going into battle. Now is the time to advance God's purposes. To example from the New Testament. It's Pentecost. Jesus said to the disciples, you're going to go from Jerusalem to Judea to the end of the earth with the gospel message. You are going to advance my name and my kingdom, but first you go to Jerusalem and you pray and you wait for the gift that God has. He's going to clothe you with power. And so they're praying and they're waiting and they're praying and they're waiting and they're praying and they're not sharing the gospel. They're not sharing the gospel at all. They're praying and they're waiting And then that moment comes where the Holy Spirit's poured out and Peter is able to see now, now is God's time. This isn't just for us. This isn't just for our enjoyment, right? They're filled with the Spirit so much they're laughing. People think they're drunk. I imagine it was just so joyful. I mean, God is pure joy and he's poured himself out on them. And he's given them gifts and new languages. And I mean, the presence of God is so strong. How could it not be so joyful? But Peter has the eyes to see as the crowd gathers. This is a God moment. God wants to do something. And he steps up and he preaches the gospel. And he says, you killed the Messiah. And he calls for repentance. And it's that spoken word as he steps into a Kairos moment, a now moment, that brings about a shift in the eternal destiny of 3,000 people. 3,000 people are added to the, the Lord's kingdom that day. And 
here's what I want us to see from all three of these examples that's so important about Kairos moments. And I, I want to do a little theology of God's word and God's spirit working together. That when God's getting ready to do something, he always works by his word and his spirit together. Okay, In these moments, it's the spoken word of God that the spirit of God uses to advance the kingdom of God. So a beautiful picture of this is creation. God, the, the Bible says in the beginning, the earth was formless and void and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep. Like the spirit of God is waiting. Brooding is how one person describes it. And when God says, when he speaks and he says, let there be light, there's light. The Spirit takes the Word and creates. Now, why is that important for us? Because after creation, when God entered into the work of redemption, guess who speaks the words? We do. We speak the words of God that change lives, that change nations, that bring about new reality for the kingdom of God. And so what part of what we need to hear about this seeing and responding to Kairos moments is that it's a wonderful and yet weighty responsibility. That we've got to have the eyes to see, God, how are you working and how do I cooperate? And I'll give a bunch of examples in a minute of like little ways in our lives that that might play out. But I want to give you first two examples from our corporate worship here and you'll see the difference it makes. I'll give you one example where I as a leader blew it and I'll give you another example where learning this, I was able to cooperate with the Lord. So the first one this is a favorite story of mine to tell. Um, Vic gets a lot of my stories because I learned to cut my pastoral teeth on Vic. And so he says, you can tell any story you want. So here's a Vic story from probably about seven years ago. Um, he was still drinking heavily. Many of you know he was an alcoholic for 40 years. But he had come to Christ. He was growing in Christ. He wanted to stop drinking. And the Lord is working in his heart and his life. And he was scheduled to share on a Sunday morning a little bit about what the Lord was doing. And at about 10 to 10 on that Sunday morning, he wasn't here. I knew something was wrong. And so I said to Nate Adema, who leads worship but was also the chair of our, our elders at the time, I said, Nate, would you open the worship service? I'm going to go look for Vic and um, I'm going to see if I can find him. I just felt this prompt from the Lord to go after him. And so I went over to the place in Indiana where um, his Wife, Val, who's with the Lord now, was living at the time, and I found him sleeping off a bad night's hangover. And um, I just gave him a big hug, and I said, come on, you need to come to worship and um, get right back with the Lord's people right away. And so we went, we came back here to worship, and I still remember you sat, he sat right over where you're sitting, right there, that same spot. And a whole church family saw us walk in late, and what's Pastor Dave coming in after the service? It's a little bit strange, so I know people are wondering. So um, during family prayer time, or maybe it was after family prayer time, I don't remember exactly when it was, I walked over to Vic, and I just, I said, can I share with the congregation what just happened? He said, yeah. And I just shared. Um, our, our brother was scheduled to testify this morning, and he had a really bad night, and he made a mistake, and I just want to minister the grace of God to him. And I started speaking about God's forgiving love and how he, he, he woos us and he forgives us over and over again. 
And as I started to speak, uh, not only was Vic weeping, but as I looked around at the congregation, there were tears all over the place. It was like the sanctuary was just pregnant with the love of God, like full. And you know what I did? I walked away from Vic. I walked out after I spoke to him. I walked away out of that moment and I walked up here and I opened my Bible to the scheduled text for the day and I started to preach. And when I did that, it was like a balloon popped and went. Now, that's because what God was saying in that moment was over there, not here. So, I believe that God wanted to speak more about his grace and his forgiving love and that there were other people present that morning that needed to hear that same message because maybe there were hidden sins, secret sins and struggles. And maybe the Lord wanted to give an opportunity to draw them out and just minister. This is who I am. This is how much I love you. I forgive you. I cleanse you. And maybe there needed to be an opportunity to go into prayer, just invite people if they were struggling. I'm not sure exactly how it would have played out. I just know God was working over here and it wasn't finished. It was now time for grace. But I was so sort of bound by the order of what happens when and I was really not used to how do I work with God in the moment that I could only get so far. And so I walked out of it. Beautiful as it was, right? Well, God's gracious and he likes to give lots of moments where we can learn to work with him. So maybe a couple months later, he gave this moment. We had an intern, his name was Pastor AJ, and he was preaching on Joshua. I think it was like Joshua 12 or something. It was a really difficult passage about Joshua cleansing the land. Like the people of God had to go in and war and exterminate people groups. And it was very, very difficult um, to preach because it's so full of death, right? And I, I kind of watched him have difficulty with the first half, and people have difficulty listening, but then all of a sudden, there came this transition in his sermon where he started to talk about, friends, this, this um, passage is an image of the way in which Jesus Christ, when he delivers us out of slavery and into new life, into a promised land, he completely cleanses us. He doesn't want to leave anything of the old life present. He wants to completely cleanse us and make us new. And I watched, I watched people's heads lift up. I watched like lightness come into some hearts. I watched body language change. I could see, I could see with my eyes, the spirit of God is speaking through Pastor AJ and ministering to people. And yet it felt like, There's more. It's not complete. And so I said, Lord, what do we do? And I had this idea. And the idea was, and I just went with it. I said, I I stood up after he finished his sermon. I said, church family, this is what I'm experiencing the Lord doing through Pastor AJ. And I sense there's some of us that really, really are struggling with sins that need to be cleansed of. And we've got burdens of guilt that we need to let go of. And I said, this is what I want to invite. If that's you this morning, you'd stand, you'd, you'd walk up front. And you would come and put your hand on the cross and you tangibly put your sins onto Jesus Christ where they've gone. And you don't leave that cross until you know and have assurance in your heart 
The Lord has forgiven me. I'm clean. I leave my sins at the cross. Well, probably 15 to 20 people from children to very old got up that morning. You remember it, yeah? And some said to me who couldn't walk, they said, I did it in my mind's eye and the Lord blessed me so deeply. And so you see, developing the eyes to see and then to respond to these moments where we can sense, God, you're working, is really important because the spoken word as we step in, actually we work with God to help carry on further, bring about his will or his kingdom as we step in. So what are some ways that that might happen outside this place? Well, I just was thinking, I'm thinking many of us are praying for wayward children. And there may come a time as we pray where we then see or sense now's the moment of opportunity. I couldn't talk about it in the past, but now I can talk and then we'll be called in to speak because sometimes when there's openness, it's partial and there has to be then a call for repentance. We might be the one that says really clearly, you know, your, your life is in tatters because you've turned away from God. He loves you and he calls you back. And we see it and we speak in that moment. We might be praying for reconciliation of a really difficult relationship. And it seems like it, we're praying and we're praying and then all of a sudden there's a moment and God calls us to step in and maybe he calls us to do something. Maybe we've already asked forgiveness and he calls us to do it again. And it's the now time. I'm going to use your apology again. We may be praying for the opportunity to use gifts or grow gifts, our spiritual gifts in a certain way. And then all of a sudden God provides an opportunity. It's now time. Jan, use this gift and we've got to step in. And there's something that has to be done or spoken. We might be praying for someone to receive, for example, inner healing. Somebody in our life is really hurt. And I'll just, I, I'll use my own life for an example. I prayed for several years. There just was a, a heart struggle I had that was very hard, very hurtful. And I was calling out to the Lord over and over again. And then there came a moment of great clarity from God where he revealed, this is what you're struggling with. This is why you're struggling. And in that moment, I had to exert faith and then really welcome the Lord to um, deal with something in my past that was both sinful and hurtful. So you see how I had, had to have the eyes to see. Now now I prayed for years. Now is the moment. And then I had to cooperate with the Lord. Step in. I, I had to pray and speak things in that moment. And then the Lord brought about healing. Um, we might be praying for friends to know the Lord. So here's a real fun story from our family. Anne's youngest sister, Casey, was listening to this teaching three years ago when we taught it at the seminary about Kairos moments. And uh, then she emailed like three days later and she said, you aren't going to believe the moment I just had. I've been praying for two friends of mine for years that um, they grew up in the church, but they don't really know the Lord. They don't know him personally. And I've been praying that they would know him personally. And I, I spent uh, three hours with them last week, Saturday. And as we were sharing... I began to share a little bit about what I was learning in my own faith and what the Lord was doing in my heart and life. And this time as I shared, I saw 
something different in their eyes and their hearts. I saw openness and I saw a little bit of hunger. And so I ventured to ask a question. And they responded in such a way that told me that there was real openness and more hunger. And so I began to share and they began to reciprocate. And, I, and before I knew it, an hour had passed and I had shared the gospel with them both and I had called them both to recommit their lives to Jesus Christ and we were in tears together and they were and we were praying together and they had recommitted their lives to the Lord. All because she had the eyes to see a little bit in them. There's openness, Lord, you're doing something and then to know I've got a part. I've got to step through. I am the sort of the handmaiden of the Lord that helps to carry this to completion. So I want to close by just encouraging us with two things. One is to develop the eyes to see. How do we do that? Well, you've heard me say pray a lot in this sermon. I'm going to say it some more. Pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. Pray for the church. Because when you're praying with faith, you're expecting God to work and move. If you're not praying, you're not expecting and you're not looking. If you're praying, you ought to be expecting. So I want to stop and quickly ask right now, what are you praying for? What are you believing God to do that you can't do or bring about in your own strength? What are you asking for? And then I want to encourage us to pray for wisdom and for patience. I might be the world's best model of impatience. We want to be sure that we're on the Lord's timing. Not too slow, but not too quick either. When we sense now's the moment, and the Lord, the Lord, He's just gracious in showing, now's the moment, step in. Say something. Do something. Whatever it is that we're going to be doing in these moments, um, here's the second thing. Commit to obedience. Commit to obedience. Moses, Joshua, Jesus, and Peter all had to stand in front of a group of people that had the very real choice of rejecting their words, rejecting their leadership, and killing them. And yet they were faithful in those moments to stand and to speak because they had a reverence for the Lord and they had a love for the Lord. They had a fear of the Lord, which leads to, I don't fear people. And they had a love for the Lord. I want to just close with this encouragement. Kairos moments are so joyful. They're so sweet. It's just so sweet to be able to see and experience the real presence of Jesus Christ at work in and through us, changing 
hearts and lives. We saw it again at new, uh, uh, Wednesday prayer. We had a small group this week, um, but my son Peter got to go with Caroline and Victoria, and they went to Douglas Park, and one, two, three people in a row, all um, beautiful, beautiful ministry, and two of them recommitting their lives to the Lord because of this sense of now's the time call for commitment uh, as you were as you were praying with them and you guys came back just bubbling over with joy because you had gotten to take part in this dance of cooperation with the holy spirit right so let's close in prayer and ask the lord that he'll grow our eyes and grow our our um, cooperating with him lord thank you that you always want to bring life from the dead you raised Lazarus, you raised Khadija, and you want to raise and resurrect many people from spiritual death, and you want to do it through us. Lord, we marvel that you want to use us, and yet we also need to acknowledge that we need more of your help, that we do really wrestle with fear, and that we need your spirit to strengthen us, we need you to give us clarity. We need you to give us eyes to see. We need you to give us courage and help us not to be trying to get it perfect, but just making ourselves available and stepping in to speak your words, to pray for people, to share, to love, to touch. And so, Lord, again, we say to you, use us, use us for your glory. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.